This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. It's so good what God does. Um, And sometimes we understand exactly how it's unfolding, and like Craig said, sometimes we don't. Um, And I think the beautiful and gracious thing from God is that it doesn't matter if we understand There's a power to simply being in the presence of God. There's a power, um, if we could understand that even when we have interactions and friendships with people that have no idea who Jesus is, no idea who God is, uh, maybe have never heard any stories or um, had anything revealed to them, there's a power when when we go near them. There's, And I think that that's something that, for me, I feel like in the Church of Jesus Christ, God is doing some massive maturing right now massive maturing. I think there's boatloads of fun and enjoyment and, and God is fun and, and there's experimenting and experiencing Him in new ways and exploring and all of that. But the bottom line is He, He is maturing us in truth. And I think walking with God and having fun with Him and exploring relationship with God, the unseen God. I mean, like, that doesn't even make sense, right? He's unseen. We we don't see him. We don't hear him generally with an audible ear or anything. And yet he says, you're going to have intimacy with me. And I think it's quite beautiful the way that he is stirring in all church settings. Please don't have, um, I'm going to probably say some things tonight that come across kind of strong. Um, I'm not meaning to like slap or anything. I just, there is some serious stuff God is doing. Um, there's serious stuff God's doing in this room right now. Uh, even just from the beginning of worship as, as Craig, you know, his heart, even when he was warming up, there was just something in the room of God's holiness of, um, a very serious but fun. You see, if we can learn that in our maturing, it's not that we can't have fun with him. It's just there are times where he is doing serious work. Just serious, like as he touches us, it's very serious. And so um, I want to kind of bring some things like that tonight that um, so is such a powerful place for us to come partly because there's safety and trust in this room. And um, I encourage you, bring friends, bring relatives, bring people that that just need to be accepted by God. And that's a serious thing in the earth. There is a need for acceptance. And in not in all church circles is that the case. You know, it, there, years ago there was a... Um, freak in the 70s that got saved and um, but he came from a Christian background and he was living crazy in the drug culture and all of that and he said um, I had trouble going to church you know even though I was raised in the church in my childhood but he said they all they wanted to clean me up before I could come to Jesus they wanted me to stop doing cut my hair take the earrings out you know put on normal clothes tuck your shirt tail in you know give up you know your partying and he said, I needed the power. And that was his testimony after he got saved. I needed the power of God to live and not die. Isn't that beautiful? And so for me, you know, because I have a, I'm kind of a freak anyways, and I, I love the wildness of God. But at the same time, because, you know, I've been over the training aspects in this house for so long, there is that side of me that when God wants to be serious, I want to embrace that. 
because otherwise I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good leader. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not even a good child of God. I mean, when he comes and speaks, let's talk seriously, Kath, then I want to talk seriously. So, um, so some things that come out tonight, I will default right now or do whatever that thing is. Like when you, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say ahead of time, if some of it comes across serious, because we've got some first time people, family, I'm not calling you visitors because you're not visitors, you're part of us. Um, but don't be freaked, okay? Because I'm not mean. I'm, I'm actually crazy and wild, which is why I'm very grateful when God is serious with me, because I need serious at times. So anyways, um, if things come across, just breathe, just breathe, but go away and let God minister it to you, because it's not what I say. It's whether I'm saying what he says and it touches your heart. Um, so the first thing that I want to ask you is, um, I'm sort of going to play off some of the things that Pastor Abel brought last week because I feel like meditation and just that whole aspect of pondering truth, of living with God in the midst of truth and allowing Him to communicate truth to us. You see, you can carry truth in your head and never have it communicated in your heart. You know, just like, you know, you can, somebody can talk to you and try to like you and be friends with you. And if you don't really receive in your heart and begin to see them in a different sense, you'll just think, oh, well, that's so-and-so and that's just the way they act and da-da-da. Well, it can be the same way with God. So Pastor Abel went some places regarding meditation, pondering truth, spending time with God in truth. And that can be designed so personally. So I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a box tonight, but I want to delve even deeper and just kind of pick up off of Abel's stuff. So my first question to you is, Pastor Abel gave homework. <laughs> Don't we love that? Well, this is the school of word and worship. So I think sometimes, and this is one of the serious things I want to bring to you. I personally never want to stop being a student. I know that years ago when I recognized my call, the father said to me, you will be as good of a teacher as you are a learner. Anything that you're really willing to learn, you will be able to teach. But there's a prereq on that. If I'm not willing to be a student, how can I lead? Um, so, so I want to say to you, um, when you come on Wednesday nights, my deepest encouragement is that if things spark in you or there's something God touches that he wants you to ponder further or delve into or just sit alone with him and let him communicate it to you, like communicate his heart on it, not just chapters and verses, but the spirit of what he wants you to understand, then I encourage you either make notes or put a note in your phone. That's what I do. I mean, if, if one of the guys is teaching or Pastor Gavin is teaching on a Sunday and something goes, mm, and so I can like feel it, you know, like the coin drops and you feel it go, ching. Uh, that's for me. I'll put a note in my phone to go away and ponder because I, I want to forever be a student with God because he's that vast. There's not a daggone one of us that's going to arrive somewhere. And all of a sudden, I am mature and I know. Because when we think that, we just, we just brought God down to something conceivable, understandable. And um, he's not. <laughs> In fact, I've, I've heard a teacher, a world-renowned teacher say, he's bigger than this book. And I like, I like that kind of a picture. Yes, this is his word, but he doesn't limit himself. He comes personally to every human with this truth. 
to share how vast and how dependent we should be on him. So I want to forever be a student. So I'm going to ask you the question, how many did the homework? He asked us this week to practice meditation, to practice. Now he gave a, a totally able, heartfelt illustration physically um, with a chair, with Nate playing music and um, just getting in with God and even releasing his breathing, you know, like relax. Cause sometimes you breathe stiff. Anybody know about breathing stiff? Like you, you know, when things, when life is crazy and you shallow breathe, anybody know about that? Do you know that that's actually physically not healthy to shallow breathe? It affects muscles and about half of our body functions that keep the body going are muscular. Your heart, you know, so oxygen is key. So he even said, you know, like, let your breath, like literally ponder with God that you're accepted, you're understood. So how many people, I'm going to raise my hand because I did the exercise, I did stuff. I, I went further in some of my meditation. No condemnation. I'm just sort of throwing it out there that some of these kind of things, um, and I will say that on his behalf, I know his heart. He didn't just think that up to say, I'm going to give him homework because he's, a teaching pastor. He felt God said, give him homework. So I want to encourage you, some of these things, realize that there are supernatural, profound things God wants to do in each of our lives. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I, I want to sit, when I'm not up here teaching, I want to sit as a student. I want to take lessons. Okay, nobody feeling condemnation. Don't feel condemnation. But I would encourage you, I'm going to give you last week's Pastor Abel's um, homework. Practice meditation, your way with God. Find out how God wants you to meditate truth. And I'm going to do some teaching tonight to even get into a little bit of a, maybe the backstory of meditation in case maybe somehow the way that he presented it might not have been the fullest picture for you. Again, because I feel it's that important. It's, it's very important. Meditation, sitting with God face to face, I mean, even prayer is a form of meditation. When you sit quietly and you go and you petition God, you have pondered his truths in order to feel that you have the nerve. I mean, if you have the nerve, the faith, I just like to say it as the nerve. If you have the nerve, because it's faith. Faith is basically a nerve. Having nerve to believe that you can come into the presence of God face to face. Where does that nerve come from? From God. Okay. So meditation is a major key component to growing in truth and in relationship with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit. Meditation, but I'm, I'm going to kind of dissect it. A couple of things that I want to capitalize on from Abel's teaching was, and if you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this. We are always meditating in some form. Ugh. <laughs> but think about it. The mind never shuts off. That's why you dream at night. The mind does not shut down. If the mind shuts down, you would go to heaven like... Because the mind is still running the machinery. It's like the, the hard drive major component that keeps everything happening. Which is why it's so important that it's filled with good stuff. So... If you think about it, you're always thinking about something. You know how you can be driving along and like you're headed to work, so already you're thinking about your day, right? And you may be rolling over, well, I've got this meeting with so-and-so. I don't, 
always get along with them. And so we begin to roll over these things in our mind. And I think what's important in looking at that is not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of realizing that our minds are vivacious. They're energized and potent and always taking us somewhere. Say no condemnation. Because, you know, you have those crazy thoughts. Like I've told you guys before when I, you know, a lot of times I'll have, like, think about my day when I'm getting ready to come to work and I'm in front of the mirror putting my mascara and stuff on. And if I have, used to be, well, still, if it starts now and I just stop it because I know it's totally my flesh. If I know I've got a meeting and it's maybe a meeting that I'm not looking forward to and I start going over in my brain, uh, this meditational processes start going toward the meeting. And so I'll think, well, I really know how what she's how she is and what she thinks of what we're going to talk about. So she's going to say this. And then I start preparing myself. Well, and then I'm going to respond like this, because quite frankly, you know, those because that's what happens with us. And we begin to plan out the whole conversation. Well, I've learned through the years that when I do that, that's me. That's not God. The Bible tells me that in the time when you need what you need to say, the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth. And so if I'm having thoughts that begin for me to prepare for a confrontation. Now, let me clarify that because confrontation is not a confrontational confrontation. It's me. When I'm beginning, when I'm beginning to brace myself with my response and I haven't even heard what the person will say. And so. God doesn't want us to live like that, feeling funky, like, you know, well, I'm not I'm dreading this day. And then we come through that day and we handle the meeting the way I prepared in front of the mirror with my mascara. And then I come out of it regretting that I handled it that way. So you see, there's this vivacious circle of death. Because energy is happening in our brains all the time. We're thinking, we're pondering, we're preparing, we're dreaming and envisioning. And often we're envisioning things that have come from, and we hate to think this way, from a hellish place. Maybe we've had encounters with those people before, and it never goes well. And so we prepare ourselves and we brace ourselves instead of saying, you know, Lord, it's going to be different now. I'm going to ponder because I'm not the same person. I'm not as angry as I used to be. And, and they need to feel peace. And if we're going to walk in unity, then I'm going to have to be the one to let my guard down because they haven't up to this point. Are you all with me? Okay, so let's keep looking at meditation. So our minds never shut down. Things are continually, think about this because this is, this is what meditation is. Things are continually rolling around in our thought processes. Pictures and words or phrases. You know, like you may even have a phrase about what you think about that they think about you. Now, I just had a major one that I'm not going to say on the recording sitting in so. But what some people thought I was years ago. Maybe I was years ago. But pictures and words or phrases. Memories of either good or not so pleasant events. You know, if you've had a not cool um, encounter with a doctor and then you might from then on in start being scared to go to the doctor. And so you begin to meditate. You're rolling around in your brain the details of the previous encounter. Say no condemnation. It's human nature to always be thinking. It's human nature to have things rolling around inside. God wants to help us to get a grip. He's, he's not going to condemn us because honestly, there's stuff around us, information around us every day, all day that's not cool. 
And so it'll get in. Or a memory will rise up. But what God wants us to do is take captive. This is what the Apostle Paul taught. He said, taking every thought captive, not meaning get paranoid and be afraid to think. You know, have you ever felt like that? Sometimes you learn things in truth, you know, spiritually, and then you start getting paranoid. Like, okay, I can't do that. That's like 99% of the time I'm going to have to captivate my thoughts because all my thoughts are gray. Anybody ever feel that way? I have felt that way. And you go through seasons where sometimes crazy thoughts just bombard you. It's like machine gun fire, just boom, 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 because the situation has facts. And the cool thing is God is so gracious. He says, I'm not expecting you to take your thoughts captive all by yourself. You see, this is what I think is cool about God. If you have a crazy thought and you recognize it's a crazy thought, why did you have that insight? God. So he already has stepped in. He's built us so that we recognize crazy. Oh, wow, Kathy. That, no, 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 Kathy, don't go there. And I can say, thank you, Lord. And then just lean into where does he want to take me? Maybe into gratitude. Because I don't have to sit in that thought. And then the second point from his stuff um, that I want to bring out is Abel gave, um, and this is just something to consider, Obviously, in my opinion, the way that he modeled meditation to be sitting focused alone, um, probably at home without a lot of crazy happening around you, that would be the ideal. That would be what a lot of Christians would call your quiet time in the morning or evening or afternoon or whenever you have it, alone in a quiet place. You don't always get that, right? I mean, some of my most profound meditational times can happen in the car on the way to work because I'm alone in the car. I'm completely alone. And I've just had to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to keep me focused on the road because I can get off into what you're trying to teach me or show me or how you want to take my thoughts. And I just need to remember that I, there are a lot of people around me in cars. I'm driving a car, so stay focused. But he can, he can do meditational times at, in all kinds of ways. So I want to encourage you Take the spirit of what Abel taught last week about getting quiet and getting focused and relaxing in his presence, trusting him to begin to guide you and to give you an actual experience with him. But then let it, um, I would say to you this week, let it evolve and let him personalize it with you. You know, you may have, um, like maybe you don't want quiet, worshipy music like what Nate played. There are people that they're more energized by faster music. There are people who wouldn't want any music at all. Okay, so those are some two main points, is that we're always meditating, and that's why this is a really crucial topic. It's very crucial. Because wherever you're going, wherever you desire to go, you're going to think it first. Think about it. <laughs> think about this. An architect doesn't just sit down and draw the architectural plans for a house. And if it's not his or her house, they're going to sit with a client. And the client is going to verbalize their dreams. Their words are going to paint pictures for this architect who is trained, and the architect will begin to 
put a visual thing, but he'll see it inside first based on words that are coming to him. You know, a woman may say, I, I want a real open living room, but I want the ceilings high, but, but I, but I don't want them too high. And, and, and I want this type of a window. And maybe they don't know how to, what to call the window, but someone is getting a picture from their words. Is this making sense to you? Because this is why it's important to take this truth and ponder it. If you think our communication with one another paints pictures, delve into the artistry of this. If there's anything I want you to get in, so it's a greater hunger for the Word of God. You'll never be the same. And I'm not saying that any of you don't have it. But what if we all got so addicted that we made sure there was quiet time every day and throughout the day? Um, so I, I got this phrase that kind of jumped into me when I was just, after I had listened to Abel's and kind of sat in what God was saying to my heart, um, and it was this phrase, reading the word with intention. And I think for me, I would even say that I, I want to read it with God's intention for me reading it. I have lots of intentions. Ever like search for scriptures that suit your particular situation because you, you need something that'll build faith in you because I'm in need. And so I need me a chapter and a verse. And so we get the scripture. But what if the intention goes further than just my need, further into God? How do you want to build me? How do you want to decorate my life, my thought processes? How do you want to use me in my family, in my friendships, in the earth? How do you want to release me into freedom? I mean, God wants us free, right? He doesn't want us to be constantly bound, constantly living in dread or regret. He wants us to be free, unfettered, <laughs> unfettered. Think about that, to be completely unaffected. Not that we don't have feelings. You know, feelings are going to come from the situations of life. But what if they can't like latch on and bind us and cripple us? What if they come and our thoughts are so enriched with pictures he's given us? I mean, just imagine that. That's worth pondering. Lord, how will your word change how I view my future? Because here's the powerful thing. You know, we think, well, let me ponder for my situations right now. But if we would understand places that God takes us in the word, he will prepare us. Scripture tells us in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit will tell you of things to come. <laughs> One time I was thinking about that, and um, we arrived at a place as a family, and not a geographic place, but, you know, a, a season, a happening, and um, word welled up inside me, like things just like, almost like popcorn coming against what was trying to happen. And I was like, whoa, Lord, this is some fast action. He said, oh, this hasn't been fast. I knew this was coming, and it's been being sowed in you for decades. So you see, how powerful if we will begin to allow meditation, allow ponderings, allow thinking on the things of God to be a pattern in our day, then we won't arrive at things unprepared. Y'all with me on this? Okay, so I want to go to um, 
oh, that phrase, reading the word with intention, we can learn to draw or, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty gritty, so I like this, suck the life out of the Bible. I think we need to literally like, take the life out of the Bible. Not just read it because it's the right thing for Christians to do. Because that's not God's intention, that we just be obedient. I hope you all hear my heart when I say things like that because obedience is beautiful. But the blessings of God are much greater than just obedience. Obedience puts us into a place to be transformed from the inside out. That's so rich. So we can literally draw the life out of the Bible by personalizing its truths through interactive engagement with Father God. Now, you may think, well, I, when I'm alone reading the Bible, I don't feel Father God, or I don't, I, I don't know that He's there. I mean, I know He's there, like, you know, I know He's there, but I don't feel Him. That's okay. Don't, don't worry about forcing yourself. No condemnation if you feel Him or don't feel Him. There are feelings in God that are bigger than feelings. Are you with me? The power of knowing at your deepest point that God is faithful and he's there with you, whether you feel it or not. And that comes through the power of his interactive word. This word is built to open the human heart. Do you realize that? I mean, here's the cool thing. This is, to me, so cool. God takes everyday, ordinary people, humans, to have interaction with him and then write it and document it and tell about it. And then he says, if you will read this, there is spiritual happening that will happen with you at their testimony. Pastor Barry used to always say that any testimony given actually unlocks the atmosphere for the very same miracle to happen again. So Abram sits out in the desert in the sun, basically operating as crazy as a wrong kind of meditation, just his heart was searching for something. His heart was searching for something. He got something. He got interaction with God. This is before Israel even existed, guys. And God was reaching out to man. God was reaching out to Adam after he did the deed. It's important for us to realize that because sometimes in Christian circles, you will hear, please hear my heart, I'm not judging people, this is by observation I'm saying this, but you will hear people say that if you're doing wrong, don't expect to hear from God. If you're in a bad place, don't expect to hear from God. And God won't, I was literally taught in some of my upbringing in a denominational place that God doesn't hear anything from a human until, and doesn't speak to them until they say the sinner's prayer. How do you get saved? Because Peter tells us that you get saved by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So if he's not talking, how you get saved? I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, think about that. So God literally has been reaching out and he wants to reach out to man. He painted pictures for Abram. Abram got faith. Well, where did he get the faith? God was painting pictures for him. He was imagining. He was pondering things that he felt he'd heard from God. And here's the thing. He was behaving in faith, believing that he had heard from someone. And if you don't know the story of Abram, he basically left. I mean, this is what the directions he got was to leave his father's house and go where God would tell him to go, but God didn't tell him to go until he was on his way. 
and then he got it in while he was on his way. Isn't that literally the Christian experience? You don't know where you're headed, really. But God guides us bit by bit by bit. In fact, tonight, you might be listening to me and thinking, I don't even know what she's talking about. But there's seed going into us because God wants us to think about what we're thinking about. Okay? So I'm going to go to Joshua 1.8, and I'm going to read the New King James. I got some amens happening back there. I love it. Okay, so Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and it means like don't let it not be in your mouth. Don't let it go out of your mouth and never come back. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe. See, there's, there's already a consequence that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So God is literally giving us the secret to success. Go to his word and let him start painting pictures for you. So I want to go into, um, the word there because what Abel demonstrated for us last week, it's all the way in the Old Testament. This, the power of this behavior, this pattern of how you handle your day. And it's a, a Hebrew word, Hagah, H-A-G-A-H. And it really takes the imagination process into consideration. So this is what that Hebrew word means, to reflect. Think about that. When I'm, when I'm standing in front of the mirror and I'm thinking about this meeting that I'm going to have that I don't want to have and, you know, that, that person thinks I'm crazy and quite frankly, I might think they're crazy. And so I'm having, I'm reflecting on past facts. And so I'm already influencing our current and future relationship with garbage from the past. I'm reflecting on my own thoughts. So I'm separate from God right now. I'm not falling because God saved me and he didn't say that I'll save you if you behave yourself, Kathy. I'll behave you if you save, if you think right. No, he's saying, I want to save you still. And I want to save you from your own thoughts. So Hagah is to reflect. It's to moan or mutter. I love some of these reference places and, and those kind of words because, boy, that can fit me as a human to moan or mutter. I moan sometimes. I don't mean like good moan, like in the spirit. I mean moan, complain. Anybody else ever do that? In your thoughts. Like we say, you know, we're good charismatics. We won't say it out of our mouths because that's a bad confession. Seriously. I I'm seriously. Come on, guys. There's a lot of, you know, like spirit-filled people, and they pride themselves on their good confession, but they think crazy in their minds. And they think, well, as long as I don't let it come out, out of my mouth, that's the biggie. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't let it. You're fine if you don't let it come out of your mouth. Yet in Matthew 12, Jesus said, out of the abundance of your mouth, you will speak. I mean, of your heart, you will speak. So if you think it all the time, at some point, you're going to get so pressurized and squeezed by that person that you don't want to meet with anymore. And I did this. This was crazy. I said something when I... I'm not even going to go there. It's a long, but I literally said something. I was shocked. I was in full-time ministry here and I said something to a superior of mine. I couldn't even believe I said it, but she had worked my last nerve and that was it. I was, I had pondered some things and I, it just came flooding out of my mouth and I had no intention that day of saying what I said to her. And it, I, I, lit, I was like, I went home and I was like, I cannot even believe I said that. I called my spiritual father right away and I said, this is what I did. Anyways, I had to go back and retrieve that and apologize and admit I was cray. And I'm sure she knew I'd been pondering and reflecting the wrong way. 
So it's to moan or to mutter, but it's practicing ahead of time. You see, when we are talking crazy in our thoughts, and sometimes I'm talking to God and I'm, I'm saying what I think, and then he'll come and correct. He'll come and adjust. He'll come and help me realize that's a wrong perspective, Kathy. He might not say that's a wrong perspective, but I feel when I'm thinking it like gritty. Ever think things and you feel gritty? It, it almost even feels dirty or it feels like, <sighs> I just don't even want to think about this. And so sometimes we shut the door on situations and won't even handle them because we just don't want to feel gritty anymore. Whereas if we will let God come into that space with us and we'll be honest and say, this is what I feel like right now, but I'm going to let you correct my thinking, God. That's one of the psalmists wrote it that way. He said, Father, look at the meditations of my heart and tell me the ones you're not comfortable with. That's what one of the translations says. How powerful to sit with God and say, this is my thought process for that situation. It stinks. <laughs> How are you going to adjust it, God? He might be doing that for some of you tonight. Just like, okay, I'm just going to have to rethink with him. So it's to moan or mutter, to ponder, to ponder. Um, I'm a daydreamer. I used to think it was crazy, like, you know, when I wasn't walking with God, fantasizing, you know, about life, and, and it was my idea of what life should be and my idea of what I wanted my life to be. And so, you know, back then I called it like fantasies, but it was, you know, um, this aspect of ponderings, you know, if some children are daydreamers and they might not focus in class because they're dreaming about stuff. That's not a bad, evil thing. It can affect their studies, but it's a human quality that God created. He built us to imagine and then bring forth. He built us to see inside. You see, Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all the ways like us, yet without sin, without separation. So when I'm sure that if he had thoughts about a relationship or you think his one of his disciples didn't work as a nurse, come on. Humans together in group settings, we work each other's nerves because we think differently, right? So I'm sure that he would be like, I'm going to the mountain tonight. I don't need to sleep. I need to get my brain straight. I'm painting pictures, guys. Okay, so if you're, don't be offended. And if you are offended, just, you know, Click that off and say, I'm going to hear her heart. Because the Bible tells us he was tempted like we are. So, but he would go to God. He wouldn't separate. He would submit himself, submit his thoughts, and let God affect him. That's the whole point of Abel's teaching last week and mine this week. Let God affect you in some really cool ways. Get alone with him and ponder. See, when, when I was young and people would say, well, you're just a daydreamer, they, they like diminished the power of dreaming. You know, if you, if, if you were one of those kind of children or you have been around children or you're a teacher with children in your class like that, it's really important how we handle, um, trying to get people to stop doing what God actually ordained for good. Because we need to kind of teach our children there is a time for that. You need to focus on studies right now and, and then help them to realize this is a powerful thing, but almost like a treat. Do what you need to do now and then begin to dream and ponder. Letting our minds go wild. See, that's the picture of Haggah, is to let your mind go outside of a prescribed. Here's church.
I'm totally for good doctrine. I just don't think God intended doctrine to bind our thinking. I feel God intended doctrine to release us into the mindset of God. So it's to make a quiet sound, even like sighing. You're not crazy if you talk to yourself. You're not, you're not crazy. I mean, sometimes when we're alone and looking at the Word of God, I truly believe God's with me. I believe Jesus is there. Holy Spirit is there. I will talk out loud to Him. I, I, I may be walking around here. There was a guy that came years ago, um, Clark Taylor, and I would see him, and this captivated me. He would be walking up and down the sidewalk just totally in conversation with the Holy Spirit. He would go out there by himself and just during the day, and, you know, I... If I'd come out into the foyer of the offices and I would see him out there just, and he's just having a conversation. I'm sure he was pondering things. See, meditation isn't always in a chair. It can be dreaming, thinking about how's the day going to unfold? How's the situation going to unfold? Lord, how are you with me right now? I don't feel you. And you see, when we have been faithful to go to the Word, to, to go to, um, whether we do the word at home or we go into settings where the word is taught, take the truths and begin to think about them and roll them around in your thinking and talk them. Hearing ourselves, that's part of the most powerful thing, is to hear ourselves speak the truth. To meditate or contemplate. Again, in front of the mirror, I'm contemplating a not cool outcome. I've quit doing that. The minute it rises up like that, I'm like, <laughs> no. I don't give myself that privilege to act crazy because I know that will influence how the meeting goes. Hagah represents something quite unlike the English word meditation, which may be a mental exercise only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate on the scriptures is to quietly repeat them in a soft sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. What I was going to say a little bit ago is, um, you know, sometimes the viewpoint like daydreaming children or an adult, adults daydream, I daydream, um, it's a waste of time. But daydreaming with God is not a waste of time. Years ago when I was um, not battling, but, you know, thinking, wow, you know, I'm spending a lot of time pondering these things and looking into truth, and I should be doing house stuff, you know. And um, I remember I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, you know, wasting time. And he said, no, no, take time or time will take you. And you see, if we take time with truth, then the situations that unfold in the realm of time, they're not going to annihilate you. You guys with me? Because this is key stuff. Just if you're, if you're thinking, okay, I don't even know how to process this, just breathe it in because God is in this room now helping us to realize there is a place if we want to mature in walking in truth, if we want to grow up and do something besides sit on blue chairs on Wednesdays and Sundays. No condemnation, it's not a bad thing to do. But there, every single one of you, if you are here on a Wednesday night, you have some things burning inside you, even if you don't know what they are yet. There are things happening inside you that are making you feel 
I'm built for more than what I understand at this moment. I mean, the average person doesn't come to church in the middle of the week, especially after a whole day of work. So I want to encourage you in that. Because the group that's here tonight, you guys are here every week. God is doing something in your hearts and in your minds. Um, And this is just an interesting thing. Um, From this tradition comes a specialized type of Jewish prayer called divining. It is, I thought it was an I, Grace, but it is an E, divining, that is reciting texts, praying intense prayers, and getting lost in communion with God. Getting lost in communion with God. Sometimes, you know, we can feel like, I feel lost, all right. I don't know if he's here. I don't know what the heck's going on. Ever have look at your life or look at a situation and say, really, Jesus? Anybody? I mean, I do. I'm like, but then I go to the places and I just sit with him and I take the time to ponder. Um... And they say that that type, the divining, that goes all the way back, um, that type of prayer to David's time. So think about this because David, Scripture tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. That's pretty profound because he was a murdering adulterer. You could take that home and ponder that tonight. God chooses to say in Scripture that a man after his own heart had some pretty strong frailties and missteps. Yet he always turned back to God. Even his psalms are powerful because they'll start out, I snotted and bawled all night long. I mean, I'm just like translating it in modern day times, but like I cried all night and I don't know where, where are you, God? You, you've left me to my enemies. They want my life. They're going to kill me. And, but then he would end up because you know who stepped in there with him when he turned toward God? God. And so he's thinking his thoughts and telling God what he's thinking. And then God is literally coming in with the truth that was in David's heart, causing it to rise up. And now his thoughts and therefore his words are, but you are my refuge. You are my safe tower. You are with me always and will never be apart from me. Think about that, guys. That's the power of meditation. When we read and involve our minds with the scriptures, we're connecting with God even though we may not feel a thing. I'm going to say that again. This is the truth and the promise of God. When we read and involve our minds with the scriptures, we are connecting with God even though we may feel nothing. We are built to benefit from cumulative uh, learning. I saw that phrase the other day and I was like, That is so life with God. Cumulative learning. Cumulative learning, and listen to what it actually means, because I looked it up when that phrase came to me while I was studying the other day. Cumulative learning, which is the process of gaining knowledge that then becomes the basis for further learning and broader insight. I mean, isn't that just the kingdom? Nothing ever happens like just a seed. God says you put one seed in the ground and you're going to get literally a tree that has multiple fruits on it with multiple seeds. One time I was eating an apple and a seed dropped out of the apple into my hand. And um, God said, that's orchards for eternity. One seed fell into my hand from an apple. And there was a man that in our church that was going through uh, um, some sickness and disease stuff. And 
I had been wanting to go pray for him. And God said, I want you to put that seed in a baggie and take it to him. And tell him what I just told you. And just sow it. Just by faith, sow it. I would love to tell you that he was miraculously healed. He wasn't. But I believe that the seed of that word, just because I'd been fellowshipping with God, and he said, go and share your heart with him. Share your heart with him. Share your faith with him. Share your love with him. I mean, these are the things that are happening when God says, I want you to do this. Because this is the power of the seed. When you go and you meditate the truth, it's orchards for eternities, guys. It, it feels like this is just a quiet time. How can this change my life? Don't think about the one time. Think about it as this is a discipline I'm going to put in place. I'm going to put this in place and bit by bit by bit, it's going to become my pattern for existence. I know I'll get crazy thoughts. They're all around us. But remember what Jesus said to his disciples, take no thought saying. See, we've prided ourselves in charismatic uh, circles that we don't say it out. But the first time you say anything that you're going to say is right here. So Jesus was really telling them, take no thought, pondering it in your head, talking it out, and then out of that abundance speaking it. This is powerful stuff. John 6.47 I'm going to go there. Oh, there was something else with cumulative learning. So that, you know, the aspect of the cumulative learning where whatever you're learning in this moment becomes the basis for greater learning, and then that that's broader. I mean, if we can begin to see that God does things this way, it's not a straight line. You know how I always tell you, it's not one foot in front of the other, walk the Christian walk, walk the Christian walk. No, it's task by task, interaction with God by interaction with God. He does this. Your life begins to do that. And it gets broader and broader and broader and broader. And here's the power of it. We are, and this is what scripture tells us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew that if we would begin to put practices that he has taught us in place, we would thrive, not die. You know, when, when the fall happened and um, the instruction was given ahead of time, don't eat from that place. Because, and the Hebrew expansion was that in dying you will surely die. You see, they didn't drop dead in the moment they ate. But what happened was their perspective changed. And so thought by thought, interaction by interaction on planet Earth, they began to have dying thoughts. Their first dying thought was fear. He's mad at us. We got to hide. Yet he's calling out to them. I think that's a profound thought that the whole church needs to meditate on. I mean, I'm not talking this church. I'm talking the church throughout the earth. It needs to meditate on the fact that the minute they fell and did the crazy, God was still calling out to them to give them insight as to any idea where you're at right now, Adam. I mean, God's still talking to them. God's bringing insight. God's bringing words that will become thoughts. I mean, they should have taken that thought and been like, He's still calling out to us. He must not be as mad as we thought. I'm going to, um, because I want to get through all this stuff, 
you can make a note if you're doing notes. John 6.47 says, unite your heart to me and believe. When we choose to meditate, to ponder, and it doesn't have to be like literally get your Bible out, because if you're driving the car, don't get your Bible out and be reading your Bible. Um, but there, when you have read your Bible, you've got stuff inside you to ponder. You've got scriptures that if you've got a situation that's cray-cray, God will bring scriptures up inside you. You think, oh, i got to remember that this pertains to this and this pertains to that. Man, relax. God knows what pertains to what. I think we even try to categorize scriptures and file them appropriately. So, and I'm not saying if you do that, that's wrong. I'm just saying some people that aren't inclined to do that think, well, I should be getting myself a vast array of scriptures for this and scriptures for that. But if we're really going as he guides us, and some of his guidance can come on a Wednesday night. If you're, if you're thinking, what, what should I be looking at right now? Uh, meditation. <laughs> Ponder meditation. Because he's going to give some insights that will unlock your future for you. So it says, unite your heart to me and believe. And that's what I said. When we involve our minds with the living word of God, some people are like, I don't even know where to start. Start in the book of John. Start in the book of John. Or start in the epistles. But I love the book of John. I'm in the book of John again right now. I love it. I love some of that stuff. Just, ooh. Because now there's like a foundation there. And so there's a broadening in what I already understand. And I learned the other day, that's cumulative learning. <laughs> Been doing it and didn't even know it. So unite your heart to me and believe. We get understanding of God's word by pondering the truth of the scriptures, which in turn makes us open to his personal communication. The more that you give time to reading the Bible, to pondering the Bible, the more you're going to learn to recognize what his voice, not talking audible, but what his voice to your heart sounds like to you. I have a, a different type of communication with each of my three kids. I have two boys and a girl. They are grown adults. I mean, my baby will be 38 her next birthday. So I've got 38, 40, and 42. Those are their ages. I have different communication with each one of them, a different relationship with each one of them. None of the three of them are, there's not a one of the three that's illegal. So we, and if God gives us those kind of relationships with our own children, don't you think he can do that with all his mazillions of kids? Have something personal? So that's where the more you give yourself to this truth, that's why we say, that's why um, last week Abel said, do homework. It's not like, okay, we want everybody to tick this off. And if you didn't raise your hand and you didn't do it this week, don't, please don't feel condemned. That, that's, this is not meant to like shame anybody for not doing homework. This is to encourage you that that's part of this school. We're going to encourage you to take some of the things happening here. You may be so mature in God and have been in God. You know, I'm almost 67. I've been in God since I was eight years old. I'm still learning. I'm still finding. And then sometimes I forget. You ever forget the stuff you know and you quit doing it and you, you know, the, you know, some of the patterns sort of fall by the wayside because you're like, mm, I'm okay, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm cool. And then you feel yourself cray, and I'm like, mm, okay, Jesus. Well, he never walked away from me. It's just I walked away from the thoughts he gave me. Um, John 6, 63, Jesus said this, and this is so powerful. But these, like these scriptures, ponder them. Think, what is what picture will this paint? The words I speak to you are spirit and life. 
spirit and life. So if we literally ponder scriptures, we go there and say, what kind of life do you want to give me, Jesus? How, how does your spirit want to affect me in this particular scripture? I mean, even that, I love to go to John 6, 63, and I, I've pondered it so much that I realize if I allow him to live in me and I allow his words to be my words, I'm not talking chapter and verse, I'm talking the spirit of these truths, then won't my words be spirit and life and assist people as well? If I'm saying what Jesus is saying, because he says, I only say what my father tells me to say. So technically when he said my words are spirit and life, really it was the father's words that were spirit and life. I mean, come on, guys, take this to the max. I encourage you, if you've got this in some sort of religious bondage, that but that was Jesus. But Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. He laid aside the majesty of his godness to walk as a human, to show us that we could be filled with the life of God and release the truths of God because we would allow the words of God to paint pictures for us that we would see ourselves and people around us being saved from the, the horrible things that happen on this planet. Horrible things happen on this planet, guys. Horrible things. People walk through things that we don't even know they're walking through. I mean, you may be in this room tonight and you're experiencing something horrible and none of us know. I will say we care. We care. John 6, 67 says, No one but you, speaking of Jesus, no one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. So the thoughts that actually are the aspect of eternal living. You know, eternal life isn't like, okay, when I die, then I'll have eternal life. I'm in eternal life right now. I, I'm, I will never die. Because I've accepted Jesus, I'm, I'm in a pattern. The, the moment I stepped, I'm like, that's it. I will never not exist. This body will do whatever, but I will never, this body is not really me, this is my car. That's it, I got a car. It's my earth suit, because I'm actually a spirit being, and so if I'm gonna do things on the planet and have a human existence, I need a car to do it. Jesus was, you know, as a man, he was God's car too. And Jesus was spirit. If we'll ponder these things and realize God has magnificent, profound existence, to come through human channels. So only he, and when you fellowship with him in this word, if you even go to Joshua 1, because if you link Joshua 1 with Romans 8 and, and the aspect, and I'm going to go there in a minute, and I think I'm going to close with that. If you realize that he's not in Joshua, he is talking about a law that the Jews knew, but the power of that law wasn't the laws themselves. The power of those laws was use those laws, but trust God in them. You see, it's always been about walking by faith. <laughs> it's always been about just trusting God. And he gives us the power to trust him. That's what's crazy to me. Okay, so, um, so I want to go to Romans 8. Romans 8 will wreck you, huh, Roth? I know you do. It's tattooed on your body. Put it there. I have a Romans 8 tattoo. It's just on my heart. It's on yours, too, or you wouldn't have put it on your body. 
Okay, I'm going to start at verse 1. And I want you to just, just listen to this and, and realize this is a powerful place to meditate. This is a powerful place to let pictures be painted. Okay? Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, that's not talking about the law like the Jews, you know, the Jewish law and everything from Moses. Do you know, I'm, I'm just going to say this, and if it flips you out, you can talk to me afterwards. The law of Moses is not for you. That was not given to us. That was given to the Jews. However, this, Jesus fulfilled that because if we realize that those different laws that were given were just so that we would treat one another right and just love God, and if you love God and love each other, you won't steal, you won't commit adultery with somebody's wife. There are certain things you want, you see. So, th But they were preparing, showing us that we can't live according to laws. We're built to live according to spirit. So Paul comes and teaches and says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So when they ate that and their whole perspective went wackadoodle and now they're a split personality. See, that's what happened to them. They became a split personality. God says, I'm going to help you not be a split personality anymore. The, the invitation to that happens daily. I mean, if you watch the news, you have an opportunity to be a split personality just like this. I mean, if the word, I would say, if you don't have a lot of word in your heart, don't listen to the news. Um, I'm going to go over this quick because this, this can make some people feel twisted. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. This is the important part I want to go into now. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's what happens in our thinking. Like sometimes we're not even thinking that we're setting our mind on flesh because we've had sown, thoughts sewn into us. Pictures have been formed in our brain. Anybody got pictures in their brain about certain situations and how it'll unfold and it's scary? I mean, we were given bazillions of pictures through the pandemic. And we were, the enemy wanted us to be scared spitless of a virus, yet there have been viruses on this planet for all of time. I'm not saying it wasn't dangerous. I'm not saying it didn't do some really horrible things to people. I'm simply saying God's intention was to guard us and to help us. Don't go down the tube. Don't let your thinking go to places. Let me guard you, guard one another. Because if we're not guarding our own thinking, how can we help other people, guys, right? They set their mind on the things of the flesh. Think about setting your mind like back in the day, um, some of you are too young to even know that there was ever a time that we set our watches. I mean, we used to have to set our watches. And if your battery ran out, um, there, we used to have to wind our watches way back, you know. Um, Timex keeps on ticking, never quits that whole. But we used to have to set it. And the thing is, if your watch stops and you don't reset it, but you put it on your wrist, you're going to be on the wrong time. If your mind goes on the wrong time, goes to a wrong place, and you don't reset it, you're going to literally walk out your day according to how it's been set. 
If you don't reset your thinking in the morning, like if I'm planning that meeting and I'm, I've been talking while I'm doing my mascara and I've got that whole thing set up and I'm going to say this and she's going to say that and then I'm going to respond with this. My whole day is going to unfold and that meeting will unfold and I will have set what's going to happen. Now I've learned if that starts with me, that's just my flesh or maybe an insecurity or a concern, I reset it. I prepare for a healthy meeting. I prepare for healthy interaction for myself and for the other person. You see, if we as profound influencers walk into situations totally insecure, what do you think will reign in that situation? They set their mind on things of the flesh, but this is a different but than what you're sitting on. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds, this is what's implied, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Or we could even say they reset their minds on the things of the Spirit. Things of the flesh rise up and I'm ticked. I just reset my mind. Don't go into condemnation, oh Lord, I'm so sorry and I'm going to spend two days repenting. No, no. Just turn around and go a different direction. That's repentance. Watch the No Roofs podcast on Friday. It's going to be about about repentance, right, Roth? Am I right on that? Are the repentances are okay? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, listen to it, please. Those you got to listen to all of them. Just subscribe. No, I'm serious. It's like rubber meets the road chatter. Good stuff. So you set your mind and you reset your mind. Keep resetting your mind. Don't ever go into condemnation. If you have to reset your mind 14,000 times a day, don't go into condemnation. It's human nature that we are influenced by outside sources. God's intention was never that that would be the knowledge of icky. He meant for it to be good. However, Adam made a choice. Eve made a choice. So now we're influenced from all different realms every day. Some of it be cray, cray, cray. Reset your mind. Reset it. Keep resetting it. I have to reset my mind a mazillion times a day. Human. We're human and we feel things. And this is what, what this says. To be carnally minded, or it could you could say naturally minded, fleshly minded. And sometimes we even get freaked out about flesh. You're like, oh, fleshy, I'm so flesh. No, it's just natural thinking, natural desires, you know, natural inclinations that aren't really good for us. I mean, it could be me craving 10 candy bars. That would be carnal mindedness. I mean, that's not, that's a lot of sugar. I won't sleep that night. No, seriously, we have to quit acting over spiritual about, well, it's all going to be these dirty sins. No, some of it is just our health, right? For to be carnally minded, naturally minded is death. You're not going to drop dead, but you're going to be preparing scenery for some not successful experiences. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean, there's a promise right there. Sit, sit with that one. Thank you, Lord, to be spiritually minded, not religiously minded. Don't get it mixed up. Because that's what happens with a lot of people. They get all perpendicular and, and you know, I'm I, chapters and verses and I'm just going to quote the scriptures. Don't quote the scriptures if you haven't let him show you what they mean. Sit with him and quote them with him. Let him paint you a picture. What does this scripture mean to me? How is this going to change my life, Jesus? Um, because, and listen to this. This is the, here's a big old clue for being human. 
because the carnal or natural mind is enmity, which means at odds. The natural thought process is at odds with God, for it is not subject, it's not, and subjection is to tuck yourself under. To think naturally means you're not tucking your thinking under God. If I think crazy and then I say, Lord, I'm sorry, that, that's crazy thinking. And then I yield into him, how do you want me to think about this meeting with this chick today? And he'll give me, now I'm subjecting myself. I'm like tucking under. Sometimes we just make things too big and hard and it's really simple. Not always easy. Simple is not the same as, I mean, sometimes it's hard because you'd be ticked and you're like, I don't want another meeting with her. That's what happened to me that day. For it's not subject to the law of God. Now remember, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the law of God that we live in now. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when I have crazy thoughts, God's not looking at me and saying, I cannot believe she did that again. She's so naughty. No, he's thinking, I don't want Kathy to, to fail. I don't want Kathy to be sad or not taken care of. And so he'll nudge me back. Um, it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So I, I want to stop there because if you link what Abel taught last week and showed, he showed sitting in a chair. He showed relaxing with God. If we would begin to, instead of, you know, frantically studying the word of God, you, you know, sometimes people think, well, I should study like Kathy studies or like Abel or, or whatever, or Maddie or whatever. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just go to the Word and let God build pictures for you. My hunger for God didn't happen instantly. As I went to the Word, I got hungrier for the Word. As I saw what the Word could do inside me and how it could change my thinking, and I'm a deep thinker. I mean, like, I think. I think everything. I overthink everything. No, seriously, I mean, there's just a part of me that is deepened, and I want to know how God thinks. I want Him to talk to me about how does he think about what I'm thinking about? And he never shames me. Guys, please don't think that when you go to God with your deepest guts, he's going to shame you. He's not going to shame you. He's going to save you. He's going to save you. He's going to draw you into the places. And, and he might even have somebody like me talk to you so that you can not be ashamed. It's such a waste of time to be ashamed. It's such a waste of time. And the church has got to quit putting things out there legalistically and putting shame on people. Because when we require people that don't even understand God yet to walk a certain way, we're, we're literally putting stuff on them. That's just wrong. That would be like a parent shaming their child, learning to walk or talk. And no, no, that's not how you do it. And stand up, walk, put your feet. You know, would we do that to a child? But we do it to humans every day in the church. Those things ought not to be so. I hope you got something tonight and just link the two weeks together. Just go ahead and let your mind run wild because you don't have to be afraid if it goes to a crazy place. He'll bring you back. I used to be afraid to let my thinking go outside the church box I'd been raised in. I was so afraid I would dishonor Jesus. And I remember one time Pastor Barry said, you can trust your reborn spirit. I'd never heard that. You can trust your reborn spirit. And I was, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to practice it. I'm going to try this out. And I began to see that, and I still, I experienced that. What he says to me and how he has built us, it'll pull you back to the truth. And the fact that he, you get this inclination, mm, this isn't cool. 
That's the Holy Spirit. You know, even if it's just, I'm not comfortable doing this, but other Christians do it. It might, I mean, Paul said nothing's really unlawful. It's how does it, what does it do to you when you do it? If it makes you feel, hmm, then it's not for you. God's good, right? Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you do and so. We're so grateful for your acceptance of us, your unconditional acceptance of us. Thank you that tonight we've learned together. I, I thank you that even as I've brought this word, Father, help me with it. Help me to guard my thoughts even more than I already do. And Father, I just pray that each man and woman will not go out of this room with any condemnation. I, I just say no condemnation in Jesus' name, that, that you will teach, you will take further things that I've said and just spark in each one a guidance that they know is personal for them from you. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week.